Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today I'm chatting with Amy Ward, an empty nester, cancer survivor, writer, professional crafter, and today's focus, a lover of truth and teacher of the Bible. Amy and her husband live in Columbus, Georgia, which is where I connected with her a few years back. She taught me so much about studying the Bible and how to communicate its truths to other women. I could not be more excited to share our conversation about Bible study with y'all today. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. So Amy, tell me a little bit about your relationship with the Bible. When did you first fall in love with it? You know, I... I was not um, raised in understanding how to study the Bible, and that was probably my biggest mm, letdown as a new believer. Um, poor, poor discipling, but also poor knowledge in how to study the Bible. And so, my prayer for so many years was, "Lord, I just really want to know how to open Your Word, read it." and gain good things from it. Because when I open it, it's just words on a page. And so even throughout college, that was my prayer. I was saved as like a 14-year-old at a summer youth retreat and um, was poorly discipled in the years following that. And it wasn't until after college and getting married um, that I got engaged in a Bible study of other women. And but what's interesting is there's a story that leads up to that. Can I go on and share that? Please do. Okay. So fast forward or fast backward, however you want to say the story. All right. So married two and a half years later, have a baby. And like a lot of babies do, they have trouble falling asleep sometimes. And so I'm out driving around our city, Columbus, Georgia, trying to get sweet Robert to go down for a nap, and I just have the radio on to a local Christian radio station. And now, keep in mind that there has been this prayer throughout my development as a new believer and then as a growing believer, but kind of staggering and stagnant somewhat through that. Lord, just teach me how to study your word. Hmm. So I'm driving along this um program comes on and says, hey, would you like to know how to study the Bible for yourself? And I'm like, well, yes, I would. And so I, I pull over into the Steak and Ale parking lot. I don't even know if that restaurant is even in existence anymore as a chain, but it's not here anymore. Hopefully not. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have gone in, but I couldn't. 
and I would have had steak and they had a great salad bar. I would have foregone the ale. But anyway, had some note cards in my car and began taking some notes. In the meantime, Robert is asleep in his car seat in the back. Thank That's you, the Jesus. Best. Yeah. So I take these notes. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been praying for all these years. How can I do this? And, you know, I kind of go through the rest of the week. And my husband and I have this favorite little um, yogurt shop here in town at the time. And we go to get some yogurt one evening with with our baby. And on the glass by the door is the sign that says, Bible study starting up at such and such church. For those who want to know how to study the Bible for themselves, well, it's all related to that radio program I had heard. Wow. And yeah, and so I show up for this Bible study. It was Second Peter, and that was the beginning of learning how to study the Bible for myself in the inductive manner. And it's all been better and great since then. So I'm so thankful that Robert couldn't sleep that day. I'm so thankful I had paper in the car and a pen and a parking lot to take notes in. And God just answered a prayer for so long, such a long prayer. (laughs) That is great encouragement to me, that when the naps don't go well, there is purpose. God can speak to you through them. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, though, he is sovereign even over nap time. I don't know why that's like the biggest struggle for a mom, expectations revolving around nap time. So hard. You think of so many things you're going to get done, whether it's the mundane housework or sipping some coffee or catching up on a podcast, reading your Bible, studying some scripture, knitting, whatever it is, you know, you just, you have these expectations of I'm going to be so productive in this time. And when they don't fall asleep, you're like, wait, what? I did not put on my calendar that you are not going to sleep today. And then I literally (laughs) struggle with anxiety that something's Mm going to happen. Like, Oh no, they're going to be unhappy. They're going to, you know, bedtime's going to go terribly. I just start projecting. But you're really in the midst of that still because you're taking care of some of your grandbabies, right? I do. I get to take care of my grandbabies. I have three and I don't get to keep them um, daily. I used to keep one of them uh, daily for several months until he started um, daycare. And But I'm I'm available. I'm a stay-at-home wife and uh, you know, I'm in the grandmothering season of life with married adult children. And um, so I, I have the privilege of being able to say yes when they need me during the day, most often. I love that you can relate to those of us that are in the season of craziness with little people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just love for you to speak to that, if you would, mm-hmm. some kind of encouragement. You hear about inductive and it just mm-hmm. it can seem really daunting when you're up a lot of the night when your nap times are interrupted and you may not have as much time as you thought, what are some creative ways that you would suggest to people who are in this season of life towards incorporating Bible study in their daily routine? Well, that's a good one. Um, So, so much of inductive study revolves around your observation. And that's where you're going to spend the bulk of your time is observing the text. And, My preference in doing inductive study is to study a book of Scripture rather than a topic. Mm -hmm. Although you can do inductive study around a topic, but I personally feel like you can't go as deep. And there could be some confusion in understanding cross-referencing and what have you. So um, ideally, to sit down and study a book, let's say you're going to study Ruth, and you spend the bulk of your time in observing a text, and so you ask 
yourself questions. Um, what does this text say? What does this text mean? Um, who is writing this? What are they saying? Why are they saying this? Who are they writing this to? Uh, you know, in addition to why are they saying this, what's the, what's the context mm-hmm. in this author's realm of influence? You know, besides who they're writing to, where are these people living? Why is he writing to them there? Where is he writing from? And and you just begin really observing the text. And you'll find when you do inductive study that you're going to read that text so many times in the observation. Like you might start out with reading all of Ruth straight through. Right. So if you're a young mom and you've got um, babies taking a nap or you're up with a sick baby at night, you know, grab your your phone that's got the Bible app in there and begin to read. Maybe yes. read it out loud to the baby, you know? Yes, I've totally done that. And yeah, whether it's midnight, three in the morning, or, you know, while they're taking a nap, ideally. Right. And you just read the text, and then you begin to hone in on one chapter at a time. And you, you read it, and you read it over again, and you read it again. And so the observation is, is, um, is key. And it's like doing a science project. I don't know if um, I, I grew up without the internet doing science projects. My my parents were probably my internet, but in, nice, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I could today in today's market, you could probably buy the idea for a science project with all the list of supplies oh, you need. I'm what have sure. you? Yeah, but um, back in the day when I was little, and you know, I was going to do a science project. I sat upon doing. The project from start to finish. What did I want to learn about baking soda? So I wrote to Arm and Hammer Baking Soda Company. I said, "Send me all your information you have about baking soda." And so they sent me this huge packet. Oh my in goodness! The mail. Yeah, weeks later. That is but, so nuts. Uh, hilarious. So you know, I'm doing all the research, and so it seals it more in my mind than just going on the internet and finding a project and just kind of assimilating it, putting it together and then showing up for school and not remembering anything. So that's why observation is so important. And that's why you spend the bulk of inductive study observing. And so, you know, there are ways to do that and work that in your schedule. You know, ideally we could say we'd sit down for six hours straight, but you know, that's, that's ridiculous. Babies are going to need diapers changed. Meals need to be prepared. You need to do housework and laundry and, Go to the grocery store. So you just have to make it work to the best of your ability. Don't compare yourself with your friend who seems to get it all done and seems to be superwoman because she's probably comparing herself to you and thinking that you have it all together too. So you just do what you can do with the time that God allows you. I've also found that praying before I start to study is so important. You know, and so I would just begin by saying, Lord, just to open my eyes to understand um, what it is you want me to know from this passage today. And, you know, I dedicate the next 15 minutes of time to you. I'm not going to answer the phone unless mm-hmm. it's an emergency. I'm not going to check Facebook. I'm just going to read the pages in this Bible and and just devote it to you. Help me understand it. Help me comprehend it. Help me apply it. Move it from my head to my heart to my hands. And live it out. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to me. You have to lower your expectations for what you can accomplish. And don't beat yourself up. 
and just work through it as you have time. And it's okay. Right. It's okay if you can't read 15 chapters in a day or you can't even read five verses. Just go at the pace you can go at and don't beat yourself up. You know, I think that even studying inductively and and approaching it with this method heavy on the observations, all of that, it kind of freed me up from feeling like every time I sit down with my Bible, I have to walk away with this huge epiphany and like, you know, how like life altering kind of application. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. as a mom, I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm able to just make observation for five minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. do some markings for five minutes. And I definitely take it with me. And as I'm walking through my day, you know, walking to the park or doing dishes, et cetera, et cetera. I can think about the things that I saw in the midst of my observations. And I find that, yes, I do have these potent experiences in which I'm having application as I'm doing more of the interpretation part. Mm -hmm. But a lot of my application happens for me kind of as I go. Um, Just thinking about the text because of just the nature of the season that I'm in. Yeah. And I think that's the joy of application. I think that does happen organically as you're reading through observing, yes. you, you know, you start to notice some things, how not only what does this mean, but what does this mean for me? Totally. Um, and you, and a lot of times it comes in through conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, you see how someone rejoiced through pain or through a trial and you think, wow, you know, when was the last time I rejoiced over some trial in my life. And I don't mean the ha ha funny, yay, you know, yahoo, let's, you know, bake a cake kind of rejoicing, but rejoicing in God's sovereignty in yeah. allowing that trial to happen in your life. But more than that, even rejoicing in his care for you and his knowledge that this was going to be a circumstance in your life that doesn't surprise him. But he's blessing you with it so that it allows you to turn and trust you know, in him during the circumstance, in the midst of the hardship. Yeah. That's, that's the epitome of rejoicing to me. Um, and yeah, so those applications just kind of come as the Holy Spirit begins to open your eyes to the text um, while you're observing. And um, I think the interpretation can be, the middle piece can be harder for some people because that's where you have the ability to do some cross-referencing and you can kind of chase those little rabbit trails as you have interest. Um, You can do word studies and things like that. Although that's not always necessary, but the interpretation really allows you to understand what does this text mean? Right. Um, You know, and that's where you really focus in on more of the historical context, more of the key words and where you see them in that a specific book where the author has used them elsewhere, or if the author has written another book like Paul, you know, then you can see how he's used some words and other letters or, or books that he has written. And you begin to understand a little bit more of the importance of, of some words. Not every word is a key word. Not every phrase is a key phrase. And I'll be honest, sometimes I think depending on our circumstances, some words are more key personally to us than they might be to our sister, you know, in Christ, Yeah, Mm -hmm. depending on what we're going through. So tell me about, you know, this process and how it developed for you, because I know some people it at the beginning, it's very cumbersome and it seems Mm. 
like as we're talking about application happening happening organically in the midst of interpretation that just seems like so far so what did what did that process look for you look like for you of learning how to do bible study using the bible which is inductive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you know moving forward into it becoming more natural mm. okay so you're big into personal training and exercise, right? Well, I, I would say I used to be. <laughs> I'm okay, very well, big into exercise now, but not so much personal <laughs> training. Okay. But were you able to do that when you were five? Not in the way I do now. Mm-hmm. Were you, do moving. you think you were able to do it when you were 13? <laughs> I could have, but I didn't have, I had no knowledge of any of that. Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing right there to um, learning anything new. You right. have to give yourself a lot of grace and room to learn and room to practice. Yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't show up for ballet class knowing how to plie right. and all the positions in ballet. Somebody had to teach me. And then I practiced in class and I'd practice in front of the mirror at home Um, It's the same way with inductive study. So I show up for my first class and I'm overwhelmed by how thick the workbook is, first of all. Yeah. And that we're going through the entire book of Second Peter in like 12 weeks. And I'm thinking, seriously, 12 weeks for such a little book. (laughs) But when 12 weeks were over, there was still so much um, that we could continue to cover. But it took a teacher to show me. Uh, the methods mm-hmm. for inductive study. And this particular course was through a ministry called Precept Ministries. Um, they're not the the um, inventors of inductive study, but they do have or they do meet a market for that. They fill a niche in the Christian community of uh, teaching people how to study the Bible for themselves inductively. And a lot of what they do is based on using markings of keywords with colored pencils or colored pens or a black pen with different designs and what have you. Um, for me, being um, a visual learner, that was cool, and I loved it. It did not bother me to have to highlight certain words or put a purple triangle over God's name or his synonyms or what have you. Um, for some people, it is it is a hassle and a hindrance, And so when I've taught uh, Bible studies inductively and I've encouraged the marking, I just tell the ladies, hey, you know, if you get in there and you feel like you're doing karate chop, (laughs) you know, action, uh, flipping 15 colored pencils and you're just focused on (laughs) coloring and symbols and making it pretty on the page, then just forget it, you know? Yeah. Though I will say it it does come with time sometimes to get that, to get out of the way with that. Yeah, I agree at with first you. I felt like the the ninja with the pencils and just and now it's just super organic and easy after having practiced it. So I feel like sometimes you got to give it a little opportunity, not that it's any more spiritual to use those. Right. I agree with you. And, and that's what I tell the ladies, you know, give it a go. Give it more than just a week. Um, if you're still focusing too much on the method rather than the message, then mm, then stop. That's a good word. Um, Yeah, but the whole point of them teaching people how to mark, and this is this is a secret, so just don't tell, okay? Mm. Is to get you to slow down. Yeah, baby. When you're reading, 
Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point of why they encourage the marking is so that you'll read it slowly. You're going to read it 15 bajillion times Yeah. anyway, but how many times do you read something and you go, I read that, oh, what did I just read? Because we can be so easily distracted. Yes. Well, or something stands out in one reading and then you read it again and you see something else, something different stands out. Mm-hmm. So generally when you're doing an inductive study and you're really trying to hone in on the who, what, when, where, why, and how, you're looking at those words that pertain to each of those questions. So when you read through and you want to know who is this from, who is this to, you kind of mark those things or highlight those things in a way that sets them apart so that when you go back and you might make a list, you know, about Paul, for example, or, um, you know, whoever the author of a book is, you know, you begin to list things about that person that you learn. He's an apostle. He's called by Christ. He's a bond servant, a bond yeah. servant, you know, and so you begin to, to dig a little deeper, yeah. you know, at, at first you're just kind of flying over many miles above the terrain and then you lower the plane and you get a little bit closer and then you land the plane and you really begin to see the the demographic or the geographic um, setting of where you are if you need an analogy like a plane but that's the whole point of inductive you just you begin at one point you observe you interpret you apply and it takes time and it takes practice and I think none of us are born knowing how to study the Bible none of us are born knowing how to read and like any skill that's worth its its investment, you have to invest your time. Totally. And you have to make it a priority and you have to be intentional. So that means setting a, aside some time as you have the time, getting supplies needed to help you, um, you know, figure things out, whether that's a new Bible and some pens or paper, but just setting aside time and a place and making it a priority. <laughs> you would emphasize getting new office materials and equipment, including a new Bible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love office supplies. It's a sickness I have, but I do. I like new notebooks, new pencils, new pens, and I love new Bibles. I just can't help myself. The smell of a new Bible and just, oh, We have to compare translations. That's my excuse. (laughs) Not that we couldn't use BibleGateway.com, but still. That's right. That's right. I, I like having a tangible, you know, paper copy of the word in front of me when I'm going to study it. Um, because I can mark, I can write notes in the margin. Yeah. You know, I can see a little history in my life of when was the last time this passage really meant a lot to me. And why did I decide that meant so much then? You know, um, but just seeing God's hand in my life um, in a in a particular Bible. And sometimes it's really hard to let a loved and treasured falling apart Bible go. But Ooh. I think it's a good thing. And, and I think sometimes we just have to do it. And it jogs our minds in a different way, maybe even shake it up with a new translation and, and, and see what God shows you differently this time. Different yes. seasons too. Did you see the post that I did a while ago? I put out there something that Hadley had done in which she had ripped the pages out of Brooks's Bible and stuffed them down her onesie. This was right before Christmas. Oh, that hurt. I'm so excited, though, because I got 
Brooks a really good Bible per your recommendation. Yes. Okay. I bought one of the okay. lifetime. Has guaranteed. he gotten it yet? No. He is getting ready to take a new position at work next week. So I'm excited because I'm going to give it to him as a gift for Father's Day and as a kind of like a little present for his new position. So. Oh, I love it. I know. I'm really excited. It's one of those lifetime guaranteed, like super snazzy, spent all my fun money on this Bible thing. Oh. So. major investment there. Can you share where, from, from whence it came? You know, I actually got it from a place called Evangelical Bible because it was sold out pretty much everywhere. (gasps) It's, it's a goat skin, goat. What is it? (gasps) Calf skin. skin? Nice girl. That is deluxe. I went all out on this. I'm, I'm typically really bad at buying Brooks gifts. So I was like, I have to do good. So hopefully he's he such a good man. So I'm delighted for him. He's, I know he's, he's in for such a treat. Well, I'm I'll proud let you of you, girl. Know how it works, and and you should also give me send me um some of your favorite little office supplies that you use for your Bible study, and we can link to those in the show notes. Oh, absolutely! I will. I will. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I would love to hear from you why inductive, you know, we've been talking about it. Why is it a big deal? Why is this particular method of study, what would set it apart from a different type of Bible study? Okay, so inductive allows you to observe the text and allow the text to interpret the text. Right. So many Bible studies, good Bible studies that are out there have so much conjecture and personal stories involved in the telling or the rehashing of something you may have read in your Bible, but it's all about the author's life or the author's story or even their interpretation that it really, it dissolves what I think the Holy Spirit is wanting you to see. Hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes we end up reading a book about the Bible rather than reading the Bible in some studies that we can that we can find either on the internet or in Christian bookstores and they're well-meaning and you know I have no doubt that the authors were you know desiring to write in a way that would please the Lord right but but I, I do think so often that we have a tendency in our consumer society to want to consume what somebody else has studied. Yeah. It's like buying, buying the science project from somebody else. Um, as opposed to inductively 
studying the text for yourself, looking straight at Scripture, not, not even the commentary right off the bat, but waiting to pull that in later, um, and just really allowing the Holy Spirit, that resident tutor who resides in a believer, to open your eyes and to see things maybe in a fresh light or in a, in a new way that a well-meaning author may sway you differently or confuse you in some way by their conjecture or their story that tags alongside and sometimes even has more weight than what the actual scriptures are saying. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So if somebody's listening and they're thinking, man, that's the way I've done Bible study. I have typically read a book about the Bible instead Mm -hmm. of reading and studying the Bible for myself. Mm -hmm. Where would you recommend they go to learn how to study the Bible? Mm. There's so many uh, resources online. Um, You know, Jen, uh, well, and actual books too, but Jen Wilkin has a great book, Women of the Word, and she takes this inductive study method and, and revives it a little bit, brings a fresh spin to it. And I think that would be a great investment for someone to, um, you know, put in their library, you know, read alongside of it and gain some wisdom in, in studying the Bible and put it to practice. I think, um, you know, Precept Ministries has a great resource, and it truly is more of a reference book. It's written by Kay Arthur and, and her son, David. Um, I think it's called Teach... Uh, how, no, how to study the Bible for yourself. Okay, and it takes you through each of the three areas of inductive study with even greater detail, probably than what some of us would really want to do. But it but it gives you all the the various steps so that you could just open your Bible and begin reading and taking their advice. If that seems a little overwhelming, they have some great inductive study books that you can find at sometimes even Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Of course, you can find them at precept.org on their website and Lifeway, too. But I think they're called the NISB study books, and they're like five by seven or maybe a little bit bigger than that, six by eight uh, small books that cover a book of the Bible and take you through chapter by chapter, keywords, yeah. what to mark, how to mark it. And usually the text is also given in the back of those little books. Um, to me, those, those are great. They're not overwhelming. They are easy to follow and very well written. One of my favorites of theirs is a, a very simple study that takes you through an Old Testament book of Jonah and a New Testament, and I'm drawing a blank. I think it was First Thessalonians, maybe. Cool. Um, a 40 minute. No, I don't think it's a 40 minute study. I think it's um, uh, Lord, teach me how to study the Bible in 28 days. And I've used that one several times to teach groups as well as discipling individuals, and we just work through the book together. I love that. If somebody really wants to know how to study inductively, I think that is probably my number one pick for someone is that little book, Lord, Teach Me How to Study the Bible in 28 Days. I think it's a wonderful little resource and well worth 
the seven or eight dollars it cost. Man, I should have asked you this. I just led a study here, um, and I should have asked you. We we tackled the Book of Isaiah straight up. Wow, and wow, it was intense. <laughs> wow, I'm impressed. Didn't you say you studied Isaiah for like a year? We did. We went through it. Um, I think it was a two-part series. This was like seven years ago, and we started. I love Isaiah because it's 66 chapters. It's set up just like the Bible, 39. And then there's a climax, and then it's 27. So it's like 39 like the Old Testament and 27 like the New Testament. I think that's so cool. Yeah, I do too. And a similar message um, of the meta narrative of Scripture as we wait for this promised Messiah. And um, so, yeah, I, I led that, and it took two years to do. How long two did you take? years. We only did yeah. eight weeks, so it was definitely a flyover, but... Wow. It was amazing. I am in love That's with the book of wonderful. Isaiah. I felt like Isn't after it beautiful? it's wonderful. And I've always been so intimidated. And honestly, I don't think I've ever read it more than just reading through, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I've never studied it for sure. And wow. I felt like after even just eight weeks in Isaiah, I have never read a book that has just, um, I don't know, escalated my theology like Isaiah, mm-hmm. because it's just, here he is. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's mm. none like me. Look at who I am. I love that. I, I love that. Well, yes, uh, I highly recommend all of what Amy recommends because she is a book and study affectionado, if that's how you say that. <laughs> is that how you say that? Aficionado. Okay. Thank you. I've always read that yeah. word, but never said it out loud. <laughs> I, I kind of like the affection part, though, that you added to it. I, had to, I had to add that in, that little I think that's cute. On the syllable. I love that. <laughs> yeah, on the syllable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what about somebody who feels like, well, you know, I'm doing some method of inductive. I'm doing some good study of the text using the text. But my time in the word is just feeling really dry. Um, is she doing something wrong or what encouragement do you have for her? Mm, the fact that she's staying in there, that she's hanging in there in the word is so good. And I'm so proud of her <laughs> because I know from personal experience when I have had dry spells and, and they come and go, um, I have fruitful times and I have, you know, I have the mountaintops and I have the valleys. And I think that's just part of our Christian life. It's not going to always be smooth sailing, and the Lord doesn't want us to stay on the mountaintops. We need the valleys so that we can appreciate the the mountaintop. And I think that dry times in the Word are valleys, and they're not going to last forever. Um, So I would encourage my sweet sister who is struggling. Maybe she feels like God is distant, that the Word is stale, um, to not give up, but to really really talk to the Lord about it. And, you know, whether it's journaling about it or whispering the prayer or saying it in your head as you're falling asleep or waking up in the morning, you know, Lord, I love you. But for some reason, I just feel so distant from you. Can you, can you please, uh, you know, show me that you are near. I, I know you are, but I'm really having a hard time feeling your presence when I open your word. Um, Lord, make it come alive. You know, there's a passage in one of the Psalms. It's it's when David is confessing his sin 
um, with Bathsheba, and he says, mm. um, restore to me the joy of your salvation. I cannot tell you the number of times I have prayed that one little sentence, and mm. you know, and, and it and it always refers to my time in the Word with Him. And there have been times, even recently, where you know, I just kind of walk by my chair where my Bible and my journal are, and I just go, "Hey, I'll see you later." Um, you know, things are too hard or God seems too distant, um, today and I, and I ignore him, but it's like, as I'm falling asleep <laughs> on those nights and the Holy Spirit kind of pokes me in the, hmm. the back and goes, Hey, um, missed you today. Maybe we can catch up tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to sleep now. Um, so I, I encourage her to not give up. Mm. To be honest with the Lord about her struggle, whatever it is. And, I, you know, there's no magic formula. There's no magic spell. I, you know, I can't say that the next day she'll wake up and she'll feel energized and and alive in the Word or alive in her prayer time with the Lord. But just to be in a dialogue with Him. Right. Because He knows what she's feeling. He knows what she's thinking. And why not just go on and confess it to Him? And, and ask for him to be really present in, in the dryness. <laughs> what does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about Prep Dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, With Prep Dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try Prep Dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out PrepDish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's PrepDish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. You once told me something else in regard to this and... I would love to hear you speak a little bit on this. You said, if I'm experiencing kind of a distance with the Lord, just to get on my face and to beg God to show me my sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the last more, more recent times when that had happened. Um, I was going through some things and I just kind of wanted to point the finger. It was everybody else's influence or distracting me. Um, and I finally had a moment where the house was empty and Rob had gone to work. I didn't turn on music. I had no distraction. I put the phone on silent and turned it face down. And I just laid flat out on the floor, um, face down, arms out. And I just took a deep breath and I just said, Lord, I don't know what it is, but something is causing us to have this divide. 
And in his sweetness and in his kindness, he allowed the Holy Spirit to just say to me, hey, girl, you know, (laughs) there's some unconfessed sin. There's some unrepentance in your heart. And that always hurts. You know, I'm not naive enough to say I'm perfect because I know I'm not. But I am stupid enough to sometimes go day in and day out and think that I'm okay. I've done nothing wrong. It's everybody else. Yeah. And this was one of those times where the Lord was saying, it's not everybody else. This is you. And gosh, it seems like um, when that happens, you know, I just said, well, what, what specifically? And all of a sudden the floodgates open and there's just this plethora of junk that he reminded me of. Hmm. And I felt so good after that was over. I felt like I had exercised, eaten right, had enough water, and was ready to step on the scale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're feeling gonna, fresh. You know, have lost weight kind of thing, you know. <laughs> and I felt so empowered um, by the Lord's kindness in nudging that confession and that repentance. Um, I think so often we forget to do that in our prayer life. It's more of those 911 prayers of, hey, can you make sure my husband gets that raise? Or, hey, can you make sure he gets a job? Or can you make sure the kids sleep through the night? And we're just kind of going through our Santa Claus list of what we want him to do and what we need him to do. Yeah. That we forget to do the confession part. And I think that's vital in our healthy relationship with the Lord. Totally. This kind of brings me to a question that I wanted to ask you because I would look at you and say, she's an expert in studying the word. Um, But I'd love for you to share why is it important, even when you've come to understand Isaiah after studying it for two years, why is it important to continue to study the word and how does it impact us on a day-to-day basis? So that's a great question. Um, You know, I think until we take our last breath, God is not done with us and every season of life that we go through affords us new opportunities to learn. We're not done growing in our walk with Christ, no matter how old we are. And I think if we feel like we can, uh, you know, study the word for five years and then we're good to go, that Mm -hmm. we're fooling ourselves. Yeah. Uh, Because there were things that I needed to know as a new bride about my relationship with my husband But I'm still in that relationship with him 30 years later, and there are new ways to pray for him. There are new ways for us to grow in our relationship. Another um, area of my life is parenting adult children. You know, there are passages of scripture that really sustained me as a new mom or a mom of toddlers or teenagers. But those passages have a different meaning, uh, parenting adult children who really... um, You know, I have the pleasure of saying I'm their mom to these two men, but they're really more than that. They're my brothers in Christ. And so when I approach them, I have to approach them more along those lines rather than as being their mom who says, I told you so, or this is how it's supposed to be and you need to do it this way. You know, that's different. They're independent. They're on their own. They're earning their own livings. They've got wives. They've got children. And they don't need a mom in that capacity anymore. Mm -hmm. They need an encourager, um, which I should have been doing all along anyway, but they need, that's really more of the strength in our relationship now is to encourage, Mm -hmm. to love, to support. Um, and, and God's word helps me 
in parenting my adult children. It helps me in parenting daughters who I did not give birth to, but who my sons married and gave to me in that marriage, sweet adult women to, to be sisters in Christ with. Um, it helps me in even knowing how to parent or, or grandparent grandchildren right. because I don't have to parent them, but there are ways that I'm supposed to pass along the baton of the faith to those little people in, in a healthy way that in a you know, certain way alleviates some of that heavy responsibility that parents have. I get to really enjoy mothering them in a different capacity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, another way, too, is, you know, Rob and I still have parents living. All four of our parents are living, and they live here close by to us in Columbus, and they're all in their 80s. And so there are things that the Word helps me with in honoring them in their later years um, that really has helped me, you know, learn some things about respecting them in this new um, area or, or this new age for them, if that makes sense. So yeah. I'm not I'm not done learning um, how to be a daughter, how to be a sister, a mom, a wife, and the word always comes through for me and encourages me no matter what season I'm in. So, you know, I can't just say I read it and then I put it on the shelf and then I go to heaven and it's all good. I've got to read it all my life. It's got to be an active part of my life because I'm a believer and I have a relationship with Christ. And the only way I'm really going to know about him and God, the father and the Holy spirit is through being actively involved in the word and in prayer. Well, you really encourage me to continue pressing forward because I look at the way in which you relate to God and really, I think just your theology and the understanding of who God is, um, is so evident in your doxology or the worship of who he is, because you have an accurate view of who he is by studying his word. Um, and as he continues to refine that and make it more and more and more and more accurate, like I just see mm. you responding in faith and in worship. And it really encourages me because I see hopefully, you know, who I could be like whenever I'm your age. So wow. that's sobering. That's so kind. <laughs> I'm really thankful for your commitment to study because I definitely have fallen into my own seasons of coasting on mm. pre previous like seasons and experiences of spiritual growth. And then I see a lot of older women who have coasted um, for years and years and years on, you know, the, the knowledge that they attained when they were younger. And so you're a motivation to me, my friend, and I'm so thankful for you um, sharing with us your wisdom. And man, I wanted to talk about teaching as well, but I just couldn't even go there because I'm thinking this whole time, uh, there's so much to talk about studying the Bible that we're just going to have to have a part two to this podcast, if you're willing. All right. Yeah, I'm willing, and, and I will get an Ethernet cord if I need it. Yeah, baby. <laughs> That's that my secret. Well, I'm referring to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the laundry live. <laughs> 
I love it. Well, hey, speaking of show notes, I'd love to get three recommended resources from you on Bible study. I know you've kind of put a few out there, but you can give us new ones or touch on the ones that you've already shared for somebody who's wanting to grow in their study of the word. Mm. Okay, so uh, Jen Wilkins, Women of the Word. I I mentioned that earlier. I think that's a great resource. Um, Again, um, Kay Arthur's um, How to Study the Bible for Yourself. That's more of a reference. You wouldn't sit down and just eat it all up and want more. You know, it's you could read a little bit at a time and work through it. A great Bible, I think, is important. One yeah. that has, um, you know, a good a good translation, not a paraphrase like. Um, why am I drawing a blank? All of a sudden, the message. Those are to me. Those are great when you have a question about some meaning, but those use language that's more contemporary and may not be as close to the original meaning of those words. I'm a, I'm a stoic ESV uh, person, but that's not what I started out with. I started out with new American standard and had a hard time switching to the ESV. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, but I, you know, but I've grown to love it and appreciate it. And now there's the, um, Christian Standard Version, which replaces the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is probably, you know, a good uh, Bible for those who want word for word and thought for thought more equally mm-hmm. um, processing through those words. Yeah, having easier readability. Um, you know, that might be one that would be a great tool for someone to have. So, you know, I can't leave out having a good Bible. That's so good. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. For those. (laughs) Do you have a study Bible that you would recommend that's helpful for interpretation purposes? Mm, I love the ESV study Bible. Um, That's not my number one go-to when I'm reading the Bible. I actually have uh, just the text in my ESV Bible. But then when I begin to have questions and study further, I refer to the the commentary in the ESV to help me through some of the questions I might have. That's just not my yeah. go-to first of all, because I'll end up reading the commentary and not reading the scripture. That's so true. Um, so that's just, that's just for me. That's my kind of, yeah, take on that. Um, but it's a great, it's, it's a great Bible and it comes with um, resources to their website, which is so handy and helpful. And I, I think they make it easy. Um, for the learner. This is not one related to Bible study, but um, Gloria Furman's book, Treasuring Christ When Your Hands Are Full, Yes, I, I think would speak to some of your listeners who have littles um, who fill up their days and they have little time left to engage in studying the Bible. I think it would just kind of, it, it's one of those books where you could read a little bit at a time yeah, and just be just be encouraged because Christ is in the midst of your mothering and your diapers and your laundry and your supper and your throw up and your, you know, soccer games and husband being deployed and what have you. It, it I think it would really be encouraging. I love that to, book. To some of these listeners. I, I read it last year when I was keeping Eli daily for a few months and it really encouraged me in that, season of having that little sweet man in my arms every day and not a lot of time left for the other things 
that I enjoyed, but it was for season and it was good. But I I, I like her books. I like her books too. And that kind of leads me into my next question because this, that probably could apply to this question, but what are three of your simple joys in life? Mm. (laughs) Gosh. Um, A cool breeze. Mm. Which is really rare here, you know. Do you have to go to the mountains for that? I pretty much have to go to the mountains in the middle of the summer for that. Mm. Um, fresh herbs. Yes. In my food. Do you grow your fresh herbs? I do. I have a few that I that I like and I use often. What are your go-tos? Those that I won't use often, I don't worry about growing. Mm. Flat leaf parsley. Yes. Basil and rosemary. Yes. Cilantro is hard to grow. Cilantro is one of those that I use all the time, but I always kill cilantro. Yeah, I have to buy it at the grocery store because when I grow it, it just, it gets sunburned here. So same here. Yeah, it's so sad, but I love cilantro. Okay, fresh herbs, Uh, cool breeze, fresh herbs, and mm, the end of the day front porch Mm. review with my husband. We sit on the front porch. After he gets home from work, we talk about our days. Who did we talk to on the phone? Who did we hear, hear from in a text? How was his day at work? What did I accomplish at home? What am I struggling with? How can we pray for each other? I love that. Oh, you know, all those things. It and also I, helps that you have the cutest front porch that I've ever seen. Oh, girl, I love it. You have my dream we love house. <laughs> I want you to come back and sit on my front porch oh. sometime. I, we never sat on the front porch. We always sat in the front room. I know. We should see. We boo booed. We should have done the front porch. Now I gotta mm. come back. Yeah, you need a do over, and I have more rocking chairs out there now. Oh, that's lovely. Amy mm-hmm. has the cutest southern house in front of a, a like a wonderfully charming park. It's just <laughs> ideal. We love it. We've only lived here in this house four years, and it was. It's been wonderful. It's our happiest house yet. Well, <laughs> I wish I could come back and hang out on the front porch and read some read some Bible with you. So someday, someday. someday. Well, before we go, yeah. I'd love to hear um, about who the most influential person in your own journey with Jesus has been. This question's kind of inspired because you know it's the Journey Women podcast, and mm-hmm. I just like to hear about women's journeys with Jesus. And you know, you've been such a an influence in my journey. And that's why I wanted other people to get to hear from you. And I'd love to hear about who's influenced, who's influenced your journey in your walk with God. Gosh, that's so sweet. Thank you for saying that about me. Um, You know, when I think about who has encouraged me the most in my walk with the Lord, it would have to be one of our mutual mentors, I think, uh, Karen Rosa. She's my, I wish she was a mentor of mine. Okay. Well, she, (laughs) she and I met when I taught her daughter sewing lessons and she and her husband were new to the area. He was with Fort Benning, um, at the time had transferred here from another, um, city and another fort, another military (laughs) installation, another post duty station to tell civilian here. And (laughs) 
Anything. The true civilians that know nothing about military are like, why did she just say civilian? But that's what we call you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's what we are. Little people. <laughs> anyway, um, so she, she, although she was not part of my first inductive study, she and I got acquainted even more so through inductive studies together. And she's, um, she stayed in touch to all these, in touch with me all these years even came by yesterday and we had some front porch time and oh i love that we just talked about life and you know what were we both struggling with how was god speaking to us in our seasons that we're in and things we're facing and um you know we prayed together she's been consistent and it's going on gosh how many years now 25 probably 24 that something like crazy. that crazy mm-hmm. that's awesome it, and she stays so busy discipling and mentoring one-on-one. Yes. But she still stays in touch with people and connects um, connects them to one another. But seems sincere, and she loves the Lord, and she loves the Word, and she's not afraid to admit fault. She's She is not afraid to say, I'm sorry, Can you know, would you forgive me when she, you know, has has been convicted of sin in, in relationship yeah. and you know, just a great example totally for me. Mm-hmm. So sweet. A follow so, me as I follow Jesus kind of gal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. And I feel the same way about you. So thank you for sharing oh, um, with you. us. I, I feel like I have three, three follow-up podcasts coming up with Amy, everyone. So <laughs> stay tuned because I'm just wanting to ask you all the questions, but we'll have to save it for another day. So thank you so much Sounds for fine to me. Thanks for coming on today, Amy. I've loved having you. I've learned so much from Amy over the years. It makes my heart happy knowing that y'all got some earbud time with my own spiritual mom. If you want to connect with Amy now that you've listened to her interview, be sure to check out the show notes for her social media information, as well as her blog. This episode wraps up the first of four episodes on my June 5th launch date. I'll be releasing a new episode next Monday, June 12th, so be sure and hit subscribe on your podcast app before you go. Hey, if you'd like to connect with me, I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at Hunter Bulis or at Journey Women Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next Monday.